0: Clone Wars season two. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) So we're just going to start like that. Oh my God. Yeah, let's just do it. Okay, cool.
0: Yes. Okay. So um, today we're here talking about the first half of season two of Clone Wars and it is for official purposes the first 11 episodes in order of clone wars it's rare that we watch this many episodes in a row without skipping one but i am so glad to have re- watched these again and i'm so glad to be watching them with you chris
1: oh that's so nice yeah i'm uh i was also it's it's a weird theme in the in these episodes they were they were definitely different from the previous ones uh they had a weird through line of uh, brainwashing and mind control throughout yeah right I have to say that that kind of threw me off guard, but um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching them,
0: and just def- just generally deception in general across yeah. the board, I'd say even on a larger scale
1: and i have to I have to say the more episodes I watch, the more I like the portrayal of the Jedi here as opposed to the prequels um they're just so capable in contrast. We get we get developments on earlier themes such as Ahsoka is really bad at following orders. Um, we get to unfortunately explore the relationship between Anakin and Padme a little bit more. What is so special about these episodes that we've watched is that we are we're not just talking about the Jedi. We're also talking about the clone troopers a lot, or we're seeing yes. a lot of a lot of the clone troopers. And I'm really excited to talk to you about that as well, because I think there are a lot of interesting themes and questions to explore.
0: I would go far as far as to say, and this may be blasphemous, is that up until this point, this is probably the best depiction of Jedi, period. Wow. (laughs) Other than maybe like the Mandalorian, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my shit. Oh, man. Because if you think about it, maybe... I don't know, like, if you think about it, maybe the sequel series, but the prequels butches the Jedi. The sequel or the original trilogy, there isn't really many Jedi out there. It's really just Luke, right? And obviously there is theory and lore and a lot of interesting stuff happening there. But in terms of when we talk about the Jedi as an organization and as, as a pseudo-army, It's really interesting, the Clone Wars, as they really develop these characters across the board in the way that they interact with the world. Because the world that we are familiar with, the Jedi, is as these mysterious Ronin samurai type, not as they existed as the top institutions. I may eat those words, but I do think that when we're talking about the Jedi as a whole, there isn't really many depictions of Jedi. And it's really this and and the prequels. So I'd say, as you said, this is more this is superior to that. So thus, it is the best up until this point.
1: I'm glad you expand, uh, expanded that because in the beginning, I was very, I was shocked because you rave about, you know, especially Yoda in the original trilogy. And I just thought like, what? You think this is better than Yoda?
0: Oh, absolutely not. Not a singular Jedi, but I'm talking the Jedi as an institution.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, I think that is a good distinction to make Jedi as institution versus Jedi individually. And uh, if we're talking about the institution, then this is definitely the best we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, so my, my biggest note is that I can already see that this is a step up from season one. Is that it's just like, like far uh, season one, the episodes that we watched, the second half of it, wasn't that bad right there were things that were annoying things that were fun but this season really from the get-go takes a step up and i think as a result our criticisms of the show will also be more nitpicky because of the nature of the quality of the tv show warrants more of more critique but it's still important to note that this is already a much better show in this season than it was in season one, and I'm excited yeah. to see
1: it i mean the the writing particularly but also the um i mean and we we raved about it last or you specifically were um very complimentary on on you know the quote unquote camera angles and the the direction but I think there is a specific episode uh in the bunch that we were looking uh, that we were watching for today that is just not that just knocks it out of the park and but i'm going to talk about that as we move along
0: yeah and i, I agree i think it's just, it's so much better even than uh it's so well done um and it really shows you the amazing things that you can do with animation mm. and it's just great to see the medium itself improve upon its uh, improve upon itself as we move forward and it'll continue to improve. So the worst is already behind us. Isn't that amazing to think? Um, One other thing that I like to talk about is these episodes really, one of the things that make this series better, the season better is the improved villains. I would say, I really like Cad Bane as a villain. I like the Geonosians as a non-droid villain as well. I think that there's more depth and more interest into these villains who are not just fodder for a jedi to kind of roll over
1: all of that is true but we also get more difficult droids
0: exactly yeah, yeah even within the things that have been one-dimensional in the past even the regular battle droids are more interesting and then you also get the commando droids and you get you know the droids with the the purple sabers you know you, you get a lot of more variety guys. yeah they're cool I will say also that I love the balance that they have struck in these first episodes between the Jedi and their lore and then the larger battles. It's a nice back and forth that we see different dimensions of the universe that are happening simultaneously, but are various um, degrees of scale. So you have really small things that are, you know, a single person stealing one thing or a person losing their lightsaber, talking about the importance of patience or... um, other things like the large huge battle set pieces so it's a really nice back and forth and it is it goes to show how the anthology model really works for a large galaxy where you want to hop back and forth between so many different people and places
1: yeah and we're also getting introduced to quite a lot of new jedi it's cool, um, right? I think I think it is just on the edge for me of being too much too quickly, but um, I think it just manages to pull pull it off.
0: Well, I will say um, about that. It's still a new TV show, right? So I, whenever you start any TV show, you have new characters and new, and a lot of them do happen to be Jedi in this case. And I think it might be repetitive if it were just Anakin and Obi Wan the whole time. And one of the things that maybe I'll take as a negative here with regards to that is that the stakes are not really high unless Anakin and Obi-Wan are not in this scene. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's because you just don't know what, like, I mean, the other people, you really kind of, oh, the Jedi, this Jedi actually might die or this Jedi actually might get captured or something like that. When it's Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know they're going to be fine in the long run, right? Yeah. ahsoka is the big wild card here right because you I really mean, don't know because she isn't in oh she is alive at least in the mandalorian yeah <laughs> right but you don't know what happens to her otherwise yeah, that's true right the story of obi-wan and anakin is much more rich already than ahsoka is but if you consider all the other jedi these nameless jedi i think are important for increasing the stakes for when we do have them but i think that the show lacks a little bit in terms of trying to it it makes it a little too obvious when things will go wrong for the Jedi, right? If it's just inexplicably Obi Wan and Anakin aren't there, then oh, of course they're not gonna, like,
1: mm-hmm. of course
0: something wrong is gonna happen, right? How often does something right go right when Anakin and Obi Wan are not in the, on screen?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Those are some of like I guess my initial impressions. My other one, my last one. I promise this is my last one. Is I I'm you know. Uh, you mentioned that Ahsoka still doesn't follow orders, but I, you can see how she is at least starting to grow a little bit. Uh, and you see sort of the, some of the lessons that she's learning. And maybe she hasn't undergone that growth yet, but you see more of the seeds of her growth. And as this is an Ahsoka-friendly podcast, and I think, at least for me, she's my favorite Star Wars character, and I can't speak for you. I so, mean,
1: we both really love Ahsoka, so...
0: Yeah, so... And I think that this this story is really Ahsoka's story. So to see, at least for me, at least uh, for me, the way I see it, it's Ahsoka's story because this is the main thing that she is. Anakin has his original sequel. Luke has nothing really. Yeah. <laughs> he has Episode Eight, I guess. Yeah. Um, no. So I'm just all that's to say that when focusing on Ahsoka as a journey through this series, it's really cool to see the seeds of her potential growth as a character later on as the series moves on. So um now we're going to move on and talk about the episodes a little bit uh, in groupings and we're going to start with the first 3 episodes of the season them titled Holocron Heist, Cargo of Doom and Children of the Force. So essentially um in this series Cad Bane breaks into the Jedi temple on Coruscant to steal a holocron and then goes to I forget the planet he goes to, but he captures Master Ropal and tortures him till his death, trying to get it to open. Um, All of this at the behest of Darth Sidious. And uh, eventually he coerces Anakin to open the holocron for him uh, in exchange for Ahsoka's life, revealing the young force-sensitive Jedi or force-sensitive children around the galaxy for him to capture and go for testing with Darth Sidious. And as he is undergoing, you know, capturing all of these children, he is, of course, uh, not captured, but yeah, he is actually captured and then escapes. But he is caught by the Jedi and his plan is ultimately foiled and the children are saved on Mustafar by Anakin and Ahsoka. And there are so many interesting things in these three episodes. I would love to go through them with you. And Chris, give me your uh, first thoughts
1: throughout those three episodes it also follows the theme of anakin is again great master to ahsoka the dynamic between them you know that we know from uh, from season 1 um i love cad bane as a character i think he's a lot of fun he's a good villain as well it was a little weird seeing him in charge of the separatist ships to be honest uh, of course the thing that was uh, that made me the happiest was seeing r2 um got to love r2 i know so good. Um, I was actually thinking about you know there there is this point where uh, Cad Bane forces Anakin to make a decision to either open the holocron or sacrifice Ahsoka, and I was thinking mm, whether uh, the Jedi wouldn't sacrifice one of theirs to to um, uh, to protect thousands of younglings.
0: I think that's the whole point: is that Anakin did what the Jedi wouldn't do. A normal Jedi would sacrifice the Padawan, right? But je- because Anakin, he literally says, "Like I'm not gonna let her die." I mean, this is in a later episode. I'm not gonna give up on Ahsoka. Mm. That his a- attachment to her is actually this is foreshadows a his lack of ability to his to let go of his attachments and b his unusual attachment level to to Ahsoka.
1: Uh, It would would have also been a pretty dark twist for a kid's show. It's like, yeah, and she dies uh, at the beginning of season two. No, but I have to say, I thought episode three was kind of weird. We have this, like, force meditation scene. We have the three-on-one Jedi mind trick. We have that, you know, the first of the mind control things where Cad Bane is basically yeah planting a hallucination into the mother of the youngling but all in all i really like this arc i liked the settings i love felucia as a as a planet i really liked cad bane's um home security system i wonder if you can ever buy stuff like that on amazon <laughs> um the I, I did wonder though we see it in the prequels about you know Mediclourin counts and all of that stuff. I guess, I guess they are just doing blood tests with all of the with all children in the republic.
0: Probably, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, which is weird. That it, that does seem a little bit coercive, and maybe not so unlike you know how we find out that the stormtroopers were recruited in the sequels. I mean, of course, this is I'm exaggerating a lot here, but no, that's still. an interesting
0: connection. I had never thought about that. Like, how did they end up finding who to recruit and for the stormtroopers? And maybe this is one of the, this sort of sowed the seeds for future stormtroopers.
1: Do the do the parents have a choice to give up their mm. children to the Jedi? Because at least in the few interactions that we've seen here, I mean, I'm sure, you know, in terms of, you know, it's very black and white, of course, the Jedi are the good guys. So of course you're going to give up your child to them or whatever. But I don't think that's that uh, realistic. I mean, of course, we're talking about like a space opera here, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that there are parents who are like, you know what? I just I don't care whether my my child has false powers. I want to keep my child. I think that's kind of glossed over. And
0: yeah, I think that's glossed over. But I don't think we should um, extrapolate beyond the fact that beyond what we've seen essentially right we don't know whether or not it's forced or is it something that is you know offered and accepted or declined all we know is that these children were at risk and the they kind of sent the jedi there right we i i think it's an interesting point you're you're making out and i think probably the blood tests are for sure on can we can maybe assume that they are involuntary or mandatory but i think it's hard to kind of Go beyond what we've seen on the screen for this
1: yeah my mind just goes to dark places sometimes yeah that's, okay. I think that's,
0: <laughs> that's how you end up going all the time
1: but still i found you know i i, I think may, maybe the the way to phrase it is it is probably highly encouraged yeah That probably. you know they they're gonna the kids are gonna be given to the jedi order but you know again i think i you know we should not extrapolate that much although i just did um
0: (laughs) no it's fine this is part of our whole process so i think it's interesting so there's there's three episodes in this arc right the first episode is basically a heist scene the second episode is a battle and the third episode is sort of um you know a mixture a rescue mission a rescue mission thank you so much so um I think the first i love the first episode i think it's a really cool heist scene i like cat bane the way that he doesn't really reveal his plan to anyone including the audience in such a way that is really um manipulative i love 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 the droid toto Thirty 360 oh yeah he is so funny. he's like on screen for five seconds but he just steals this steals the show um i love how he's just like oh a bomb it's just really great he's just really funny and his back and forth with Cad Bane is, is endearing in such a way.
1: So, um, so much. And, uh, I was really sad when he died. Me like, oh, too, no. right? Also the way he yeah. reacted, you know, yeah. like, Oh no, a bomb. No, no, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was really sad. Um, it's cool to, uh, um, see like a Chakosta new as well as the librarians. First time we see her, um, I think in the show so far, uh, for us at least. Um, I really do like episode two. I think it's one of the strongest episodes uh, in terms of sowing the seeds for Anakin's attachments problems, right? Or his um, lack of ability to let go. Um, I think that one of the things that is really interesting about the lore of all this is what is a holocron? We want to, I want to know, this makes me want to know more about what information is in the holocrons. Why are there so many on the Jedi Temple? And what do they, what larger role will they play in the future in terms of bastions of knowledge for future Jedi, essentially? So it's really, this is something, the holocrons are not at all explored in the movies until we get to episode nine, essentially, where it's only a Sith holocron that's used. But the holocrons in- right but holocons in general are really interesting in, and and highlight into the future jedi lore that is part of the mystery of it that is really interesting to me um one of the things that i like in episode two in particular is the the humor with the droids i really like just like oh he's the commander and then he oh yeah it's like i guess, <laughs> I guess I'm now the i'm the commander <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so funny And then it's like the futility of the droids. They're just like, they come up to like these Jedi and they're just like, nothing, it won't matter. Essentially. It's like, they just essentially give up all hope. I think the humor with the droids are, is immediately better in this, in this season than it was in the past. It's really, I just like, I have to say that episode two really highlights how touching Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship is and how close they are, how similar they are and how, Like their relationship, they're really tied at the hip in such a way that is incredible. And that episode, that episode two is just so touching in that way. And I really like Anakin in this way. He, uh, in this episode, he takes responsibility. He is likable. He is a strong leader. He, you know, sacrifices, he like puts a lot of people at risk to sacrifice for his Padawan or, you know, save his Padawan, but it's out of, born out of love. That we associate ourselves with, not disattachment and dryness that the prequels try to, um, you know, force upon us that make Anakin so unlikable.
1: One of the moments also where you see, Ahsoka's lack of experience is when she thinks she has Cad Bane cornered, but uh, he just lose, he just lured her into a trap.
0: He's smart. Cad Bane's smart. Anakin's smart. Ahsoka at this point is not that smart yet. But yeah, I think it's just great. And one thing about Episode 3, I agree with you. It's a really weird. I think the group force mind trick is really creepy and makes no sense. Also, mm. like the meditation sequence is really strange as well. But I will say, I think this episode is one of... And I didn't realize this until watching it this time. Could be one of the most consequential episodes in all of Clone Wars. But I think this is a a, a precursor to the experiments they do on Grogu. Is connected oh. to this episode and I had not thought about this. And it's essentially it's Darth Sidious capturing four sensitive children to do experiments on them. Of course, this is connected to Grogu. Wow,
1: my mind was just blown.
0: Right? <laughs> I just like <laughs> in the middle of this episode, I was just like, oh my god, no way. Yeah, nice. What that actually means tangibly <laughs> for anything, I'm not sure, but we have seen the origins of what the experiments that they're doing on Grogu, essentially.
1: Damn, 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 damn. Um, Yeah, just a few other things to, like, cool us all down. (laughs) I I loved... I really liked the scene in in Cad Bane's home and the way he tricks them into uh, triggering the security system.
0: Yeah, it's very smart. Well done. Everything with Cad Bane is just done so smoothly. It's really
1: impressive. One thing that was just a little ham was rescuing the the younglings i mean the fact that obi-wan just barely misses cad bane on one of the planets just doesn't seem believable i mean of course it looks more dramatic but it just it's very unrealistic and the way they save them is also weird and uh and that scene with that hologram of darth sidious in the nursery with the stolen younglings was just really really weird
0: yeah, it's really creepy um, and just odd in some ways. But I will, uh, you know, I'm just going to go back to quickly Dave Filoni and The Mandalorian. Just like, just give me a second Always. to bend here. It is absolutely amazing that he took a side plot of a random episode in the season two of Clone Wars from 2009 and decided to make it like the center plot of the biggest Star Wars TV show essential or the biggest Star Wars property essentially of the last 30 years and has it is absolutely amazing how they noticed this and just expanded upon it in such a way that was so phenomenal it's just it's really well done and I just can't commend them enough for digging deep into something that not many people watched and then expanding upon it in a medium and in a way that really set Star Wars up for the next generation of fans well said sorry that's all i can think about now it's just
1: (laughs) 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 i mean that's a huge thing so i I do like the
0: foreshadowing in these episodes right so there is the foreshadowing of uh, i've mentioned the foreshadowing of uh, anakin's attachment the foreshadowing of anakin going to mustafar as well the which is a big deal i think um obviously the foreshadowing having anakin and uh, palpatine's relationship kind of talking and then being close already. There's a lot of things going on here, even though the quality of especially episode three maybe not is as good. It there's I think there's enough connections to further things and some like snippets of stuff that make it at least worth watching, I would say. So next we're talking about episode four, in which Anakin and Padme have a little bit of romance time before Anakin is called to the Jedi Temple to try to convince Padme to spy on Clovis of the Banking Clan, um, assuming that he is, or they suspect that he is a Separatist spy. And in doing so, he actually doesn't want her to go, but she does. He she ends up he ends up accidentally convincing her to go to spy on Clovis, in which she does and goes with him to mm-hmm. some named planet for a meeting with the trade federation and yada 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 he is a spy anakin is jealous because clovis and padme used to have a relationship and padme gets poisoned but then she gets all healed with the antidote and clovis is arrested by the trade federation
1: the line that anakin c- convinces padme in the end i found so bad it is uh duty comes first especially in war i noted it down because it was so bad i kind of liked that it is w- you know that she quotes it back to him later. I did I like re- that part too. I did, I did like, like that. that. Uh, another really really annoying moment was that Anakin says to her at one point, "I can sense that you're angry." And and, and I was just thinking, you need to force for that. You can can't just see it in your in her face. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell? Pick up on some social cues, my friend. I don't know the jealousy part. You can see that from like five hundred miles away. Um, yeah, it doesn't you know, look good. There are relation. I like that there are like relationship issues in there because Anakin is pretty controlling. That's maybe not the place for it in such a show, but I thought that that was kind of realistic, even though it's just also very eye Um Yeah, Clovis obviously is such a douche. Uh, and but what I really liked in terms of plot was that the only reason Padme is in danger is because Clovis is convinced, and thus the Separatists are too, that she is Clovis's new flame. And uh, that's the only reason why she gets poisoned. And I kind of like that, to be honest. I mean, of course, again, here, you know, the female is kind of an object of desire, but uh, at the same time, the episode makes it clear that she does have agency. I
0: did like that part of the episode, I have to say. Like her being the one to kind of put her foot down and be like, I'm going whether you like it or not. That is an, an aspect of agency that is missing in a lot of other Padme content.
1: I mean, it's a very straightforward plot. It's not a good plot.
0: There's one thing that is always a pet peeve of mine in many TV shows and movies is when someone's able to just guess a password as if it's like people just have random words as passwords are you freaking kidding me it's just also really how creepy is
1: it that padme is like is this his password? password
0: unbelievable like it, i don't understand how like this is a recurring theme in so many movies where it's just people have like a random word that's their password that is something that everyone can guess but overall just not a good episode but it is you know it does interestingly as you said add to the intricacies of the relationship where anakin is a little bit too not a little bit really too controlling of padme in general and her resisting by um going on this mission and um claiming some level of agency if that makes sense yeah and um, thus really
1: helping the jedi you know
0: yeah so it it is a there are some semi interesting things within an episode that is lacking in quality and really interesting structure as well um yeah clovis is also a freaking creep not a huge fan of clovis no um but yeah i i I will say it's still better than the
1: prequels (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was i was i was just like is it for a second but yeah it is because that's at least a kind of believable relationship situation that they find themselves in
0: exactly and it's not entirely make you want to puke and turn off your tv and throw it out the window <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man all right so should That's we move man. on
1: yes we come to, to the geonosis
0: my part. favorite sequences i'm not gonna lie i'm just gonna say this up front um so good. but the next <laughs> so the next three episodes all on geonosis and following the intel that um, padme gave to the jedi um the jedi invade geonosis for the second time and we have the second battle of Geonosis, episode five, landing at uh, Point Rain, episode six, Weapons Factory, episode seven, Legacy of Terror, and episode eight, Brain Invaders. So it begins in episode five with Anakin, Obi Wan, is it Plo Koon or is it um, Mundi? Mundi are all uh, invading Geonosis at different points to meet at a landing. Essentially at a rendezvous point. And the first episode is essentially them getting to that rendezvous point. The second episode is um Master Hinduli and Skywalker with Anakin and uh barris Offie, I think is her name.
1: Yes. Uh, Did that <laughs> yeah, all right. I I had to note it down because I just forgot all the time. Yeah.
0: Um, as the two Padawans in, uh, infiltrate the weapons factory, as they distract them on the bridge, as the main Jedi distract them on the bridge, following a little horror terror sequence through the catacombs of an old temple as mind-controlled zombie um, like Geonosians attack the clones. And then, of course, one of them gets on board the uh, shuttle who is going to the medical bay. And starts to take over the minds of the clones and um, Padawan Alfi on the pla- on the ship. And at the end, Ahsoka is able to kill these parasites and save the day. So, the second battle of Geonosis. Let's get into it.
1: I thought that that was a really, really good battle sequence. I mean, you know, in episode 5 specifically, the fighting, the battle scenes were really good.
0: It's amazing. I think episode five is so well done, beautifully shot, incredibly chaotic, and just grueling. And you know what's amazing to me? It's incredible how like in so many Jedi stuff or in so many wars, the planes of the people who are our main characters never get shot down. In this episode, all three get shot down. It's It's great to see them in, like, positions where they're not normally in, where they're actually injured, where they can't do what they need to do, where things don't go as well as they want them to. And you have so many different layers to it. It's just, like, especially comparing this to the first Battle of Genosis, which we saw in uh, Star Wars Episode 2, it's just night and day. It's just so good.
1: My favorite thing is this very over-the-top wall with cannons in it. (laughs) <laughs> <You're> right it's <laughs> just the main obstacle at one point i love that um yeah i think the fighting was just really well done it has
0: everything it has flamethrowers and tanks and caves and walls and explosions and aerial reinforcements
1: and and surprise attacks and exactly ambushes and all of that stuff the only thing that i didn't really that i didn't like was that like death count Gamification yeah, that, that yeah. reminded me a lot of Lord of the Rings and Legolas and yeah. Gimli.
0: But I, I do have a I do have a, a theory on that. Okay. And it is that um, uh, it was, they. I think there's a, a note at the very end, I don't know if Obi-Wan says it, it's just you essentially can't limit this to a game, essentially. Oh yeah, you can't simplify battles into games. And I think it was a nod to Battlefront, which was happening at the time.
1: Oh, Not to the video, Star Wars
0: video games. I think that's what I think, at least.
1: Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good theory. I'm not sure if I believe it, but it's a good theory nonetheless. Yeah. Um, uh, I am immediately more invested because the opponents are not droids.
0: Something about yes. having living beings on the other side make it so much more interesting to me. And also to see really like the local population fighting the Republic as opposed to and an really a nameless separatist army. No matter how much they try to humanize the droids.
1: There's also, I feel like, a, a more gruesome sense of danger because the Geonosians are, you know, they, they really hurt the clone troopers, not just by shooting them, but, you know, by kind of, I don't know, by pretty cruel measures. And I think, you know, that's what just heightened, heightened it for me.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. I think it's, it's just like and I think part of it is also the fact that they're like maybe this happens later on or it's more significant later on that they are bugs and it's like a low-key kind of creepy in a way it's yeah. like it lends itself to like the creepiness that we all kind of feel towards big bugs like if we imagine like big life-size bugs trying to attack us it's like e-
1: I would just like curl up in, in a ball and cry yeah. I, am, <laughs> I I have like childhood traumas because of bugs so.
0: Well, I think then this episode, is, these episodes are really catered to you.
1: <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't know. Like the Gnostics, I don't mind that much. But I don't know. There was there was a brief detour. There was once a SpongeBob SquarePants episode where Sandy has like a caterpillar or something. Yeah. That then evolves into a butterfly, and there was there is like a three second clip that goes from animation to uh, like actual foot footage of like um you know the the face of a butterfly and that just freaked me out (laughs) that like scarred me i mean i had already had bad experiences with bugs and i I, to this day i can't see like those images but i
0: hated that wow (laughs) i know well all right that's fine yeah
1: anyway but yeah episode six has some really great visuals as well on geonosis um I thought that, you know, the it was very obvious that, you know, how big the difference between Anakin and Ahsoka on the one side and Luminara and Dooley and Barriss offee is on the other one. Anakin I and Ahsoka love the are obviously, juxtaposition
0: between the two. Sorry, go, go ahead.
1: ahead. They could have done it more subtly. I mean, I guess not because, again, it's a children's TV show. And I guess, you know, there are different schools of thought about whether you can actually be settled with children or not. I think you can, but... Um...
0: I see what you're saying in terms in terms of the subtlety, but I think it's more that Luminara and Duli and Baris Afi are representative of the majority of Jedi, and they act as such. It is more that Anakin and Ahsoka are so different from the rest of the Jedi that it seems so jarring and obvious that they're different. I, I just don't think that it would be realistic to make them any more similar. Yes, obviously, I mean, it's it's some of the way that they speak is pretty um, apparent, but I think that just goes to show the unique nature of their relationship and then obviously at the end of the episode it, it comes to fruition as Ahsoka kind of saves the two mm. of them and you know their bond is stronger in the end. That's essentially the lesson, but I think I don't mind it, and I think it. Ha- in this case, I agree with you. You should be able to be subtle with children in when subtlety is necessary. But having such a jarring juxtaposition is really realistic of the Jedi Order at the time, and I think also is a poignant point against the oxymoronic thinking of the jedi essentially wow
1: wow wow! yeah what i what i really like <laughs> that was a mouthful <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you really chewed on that um having said all of this i really like that in terms of the padawan when they infiltrate the factory they need both sides of that coin they need 100%. both both the personality trades and the tactical thinking uh, or like I guess the approaches of Offie and of Ahsoka um, to be successful in the end and um, yeah it was just like kind of a caricature for me this like uber rational master in Padawan still I really like the episode I think my favorite moment was uh, <laughs> when the tactical droid gets killed by the grenade the thermal detonator, and whilst he is mocking them, he's like, Oh, this thermal, de- like, this can't do anything against this tank, this great new tank that we invented. It's like impenetrable, and then it, the grenade explodes and does nothing to the tank but just destroys the droid. And I, that was a laugh out loud moment for me.
0: So funny. Continuing the great droid hum- humor in this series.
1: Again, also the battle of the Padawan against the, uh, the Geonosians and the tank and all of that and destroying the power souls with the tank. I thought that that was really nice. Going
0: back to Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship, sorry to belabor this point. I keep doing that. Um, It's great to see him talking over her in like a controlling toxic masculinity way. It's really, you know, obviously it's something that he does with Padme as well and every person that he cares about in his life. Um, And it is, you know, not it's not great reflection on him as a character obviously it's indicative of something that he has to overcome in terms of his relationship with Ah ahsoka letting her do her thing her things on her own so despite the closeness that they have there is still a long way for not only ahsoka to grow but anakin to grow relative to her and i think this episode is a great indicator of not only Ahsoka's growth but Anakin's as well. And this dualistic nature of both of our characters learning and growing as they move forward is really set in stone in this episode. And the way that he does eventually trust her to do her own thing and will learn hopefully to kind of let her stand on her own two feet instead of controlling her that she's as he does in the beginning of this episode is a really nice and touching moment between the two of them. And the trust that they have between one another is just it's just so freaking touching it's that like she's passing out on the brink of death and he she knows that he is there for her no matter what. And she knows that he will find her and 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 Anakin also trusts her to do what's needed to be done to keep alive. It's I just I, I cannot say enough or stop talking about how amazing these two are together.
1: You know, last episode we saw more of Bears Offie and this time we get to see more of Luminara Anduli. and I have to say, I don't really like her. She's pretty, I mean, she's is, she is very rational and all of that, but she she is just as, not like, not selfish, but she just does what she thinks is right. She can, kind of like Anakin does. You know, she, she has her fellow Jedi, you know, trying to dissuade her um, because of the big, risk she's taking and she's like nah i'm just gonna do my thing
0: yeah it's weird is that like she she is she thinks she's rational and she says i'm just going to do this but in the end it's like she and she expects other jedi to let her go and let her die as if they are actually gonna do that where in reality we both we all know that they're just going to come and save her and risk their own lives right she so she's essentially risking the lives of her fellow jedi for no reason really I agree. Luminara Nulli is not great. And i, I do not not a huge fan of Beresofi either. But, you know, that's whatever.
1: I have to say, pretty early on, we get a scene that I found pretty tragic that is very indicative of how death is treated in a lot of Star Wars when it comes to anonymous characters or foes or whatever. Is, uh, you know, when one of the droid Gets left behind in the sandstorm when he says like don't leave me and like is destroyed. That if yeah. that was a person, if that was a human being, that would be so tragic. Uh, just because it's a, a droid, is like yeah, whatever. We we can just like glance over that. And it's even worse if if the droid had just stayed behind and then just gotten defunct. That's one thing. But having having it say like don't leave me, that's pretty pretty cold-hearted yeah they try to play it off as a
0: laugh but it it's not at all it's kind of sad and i think the clone wars especially in this starting in this season does a better job of treating the clones as humans um but it does not do a good job at treating it doesn't take the final step that it needed and actually give us what we want in terms of the droids as being humans like you are treating them with humanity you don't have to shoot them as humans right um, and if you're going to develop give them individualistic characteristics and humor and you want to you want to utilize them in that way you also have to take the other step and reward our emotional investment in these characters or these droids by treating them with a semblance of respect which they do not and it's a it is you know a large criticism of this show in general that I have to agree with you on
1: I, don't, I didn't think the writing in this episode was good there are like things that don't really make sense like the fact that the clones use their flashlights on their helmets although they have night vision
0: right and of course no it,
1: that pays off because the flashlight is what
0: blinds the queen for a second
1: yeah exactly but yeah they, they didn't know that before when they went into the tunnels <laughs> and and, uh, you know if you use the flashlight your enemy is going to know that you're coming
0: yeah i would say this is definitely my least favorite episode we've watched for this maybe not this week but in the in the gen arc Mm. it is my least favorite episode um the one thing that i say it does well it kind of does the horrory vibe a little bit well especially considering it's a tv show um it has like little mini jump scares or mini creepiness so I think it does that part of it well, which it does intend to do, um, but I'm not a huge fan of the Gene Ocean Queen. I find her off-putting. I not a huge like Luminara is not a great character in general. I'm I'm just like I'm not really in it when it comes to this sh- this episode at all, really.
1: Yeah, I mean the Queen looks pretty disgusting, which is kind of the point. But also, the dialogue with Laura, like the, the exchange with her, is just doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. And then Obi-Wan being like, I want to analyze. I'm just like, are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, you can't analyze it if you're dead. So exactly. maybe keep your priorities straight, my friend. I was a little meh about this episode.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, on to the next one.
1: <laughs> and the next one is so much better. Right? Yeah, like you were talking about the uh, horror aspects.
0: The next one does it so much better.
1: This yeah. one does it so much better, especially the the direction the way it is shot, it is, you know, it is very like a horror. It is like a horror movie. Um, the the way things are framed, especially when Ahsoka is in the controls and you see the, and suddenly Offie is there, who's yeah, we know is mind controlled. Yeah, and just that that cut was just so good. Um, just all overall the the feeling of insecurity you don't know who you can trust i thought was really really well done because it is very ambiguous at at many points
0: especially like as the so the first two troopers attack them and then two more come in and they look fine and they look normal and then they eventually turn on them it's just a very up and down roller coaster of an episode
1: yeah and i really like that that dynamic I have to say, one thing that struck a little close to home was, Ahsoka saying, "We need to quarantine the ship." I was like, nah. "I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that hurts. That really hurts right now." Yeah, and again, she says, "Like I have a bad feeling about this." Yeah, I, I did like the line, which I thought was such good foreshadowing, um, that one of the clone troopers says to Ahsoka, "If there is one thing we clone uh, we clones know, it's how to stop a Jedi." There's so many
0: foreshadowing in this episode I love. I love, I don't have to point out the scene where Ahsoka and Barriss are just talking about Anakin, essentially, and sitting in and talking about the Jedi and they like, what do we do when the war is over, essentially? What is the difference between Keepers of the Peace and Warriors? It's really like poignant questions thinking about the meaning of being a Jedi or being a leader fighting for peace in the galaxy and you really it this is essentially a question of what is the United States' role in Afghanistan and Iraq? We're there to spread democracy, quote unquote, but what does that mean in terms of imperialism and actual like just being you know in that role, right? it's It is a really like overarching question that is really poignant for our actual everyday lives. And, and also, like, the way that she foreshadows Anakin's potential turn to the dark side. It's like, he has radical thoughts about the future. She doesn't know what he will do when the war is over, essentially. A, she knows him so, so, so well. And B, it's really eerie when we know exactly what is going to happen to Anakin. And what's interesting is that this version of Anakin we see in the Clone Wars is makes it so much more heartbreaking that he does become darth vader the the episodes of the prequels they're just like you never really care about this character and then he turns to the dark side and you don't really care as well but this version of anakin skywalker the way that he is a mentor to Ah ahsoka and so many other jedi and just such a trustworthy like asset to the republic it's you know Like, it's incredibly sad that he does become Darth Vader. And it's in these moments where other people are talking about him that you get more glimpses into his reputation and the the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker, that it is truly a tragedy.
1: Speaking of foreshadowing, you can definitely see a huge glimpse of the dark side within him in this episode where he force chokes the Geonosian separatists to get information out of him.
0: Yes, and you, you you hear the Darth Vader music in the yeah, background. Yeah, you hear the Im- Imperial
1: march in yeah. the background. That's so well done.
0: Oh, it's amazing. I love this episode.
1: Yeah, and also, speaking of great visuals, is um, when Ahsoka turns off the heating system so that everything just freezes. It just looks so good.
0: This episode is freaking amazing.
1: And, uh, and also, I liked at the end when Ahsoka... Asks Anakin whether she should have killed Beres Offi. Which I thought was a really good... I think that, again, that encapsulates their relationship. Like, she is not afraid to ask this, this very heavyweight question to her master. Who will give her guidance. Yeah. A is just an interesting question to think about in general. But also tells us a lot about their relationship.
0: Just such a good question to ask and his response in terms of how hard letting go of attachments is 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 so much hits so much closer to home because you know the struggles that he has with it in person yeah. personally right and so yeah just uh, it's a great end to a sequence of great episodes in the large you know obviously one subpar episode but um episodes five six and eight are just so good all right so so should we move on
1: Yes, please. Over
0: to uh, Grievous and Salucami, which is low key one of my favorite names for a uh, Star Wars planet. So we have Episode Nine: Grievous Intrigue, and Episode Ten: The Deserter. And I have a feeling we'll have some interesting conversations about this. In Episode Nine, Grievous captures Eve Koth and then threatens to torture him essentially to death in a transmission to the Jedi Council, which inexplicably Padawans are just watching for some reason. Yeah, um, younglings,
1: no less. That's so right? strange. Right.
0: It's so that's weird i mean yoda does sell them to leave but a little too late come on
1: yeah after after it's over that's like a little bit too late they're they're scarred for life now
0: exactly and obi-wan anakin oh and i forget what's the other jedi's name
1: i don't know i haven't written her name down
0: yeah okay and nameless jedi go to rescue him from grievous's uh capture and then eventually are you know they, they do, you know, rescue him, but then they eventually land on Salukamai trying to ch- chase and capture Grievous, where we find Cut Laquane, who is a an ex-clone who named, a, namely a desert, actually a deserter, and who's been living on Salukamai as a farmer with his Twi'lek wife and children. And rex essentially spends the nights with him fighting off commando droids as obi-wan and um, the rest of rex's battalion and commander cody fight grievous as grievous eventually escapes
1: first of all i have a question for you actually what do what is your opinion on general grievous
0: um i i think he's a little better here than he is in the the live action stuff in my mind i'm not a huge fan to be honest um he's essentially an excuse for them to have a droid who has lightsabers essentially but the thing that i find most annoying about him is the cough but it's less it's more subtle in these episodes i would say but i will the one thing i will have to say is that i don't like him but it is i don't like him in a way that is actually a good indication of the character they're trying to create in a, it's a very weird way. They're obviously creating him a way for you not to like him, to find him a little creepy, to find him a little strange. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting question to ask, obviously. To what extent he's a necessary character is also another question as well. Is, is a commander of the army who is also lightsaber wielding necessary? Not really four lightsabers is definitely gratuitous and not really a good idea to be honest but given that given the bar that was set by the prequels he is better here i
1: will say i like grievous despite myself i don't i know (laughs) it doesn't make any sense i hate the cough as well it just it's nonsensical at all like how does that work he doesn't really have lungs as is established in episode three,
0: I think. Yeah, he just has a heart, essentially, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: he has a heart. He doesn't have a lo- have lungs. That's how he can survive in space, um, which also doesn't make sense because the pressure would probably kill his heart. But anyway, um, <laughs> what I really liked about this episode is uh, that Eve Koth has like a slight Indian accent. I So that means that they're also, or was I imagining that?
0: No, I think you're right.
1: Yeah, and I, I that really, I found that really good just in terms of diversity of Jedi, of of um, you know people in the Star Wars universe. You don't just have um, all kinds of different uh, species and uh, and people and aliens and all of that. You are also in terms of you know uh, voice talent you just don't ha- you don't just have a bunch of white people
0: and also just jedi in general they're generally all white except for mace windu right
1: yeah definitely and i have to say and t- speaking of jedi i thought the lightsaber fights in those two episodes was pretty were or like in episode 9 specifically was pretty good were really good they're beautiful especially at
0: the beginning on the bridge when they're fighting i'm just like whoa just the colors the red uh, like the purple juxtaposed with like the green and the blue and the dark green background just so good
1: yeah i I love those droids
0: yeah (laughs) i know you do (laughs) (laughs) they're so cool (laughs)
1: um
0: they're kind of dicks though stabbing him in the back they are
1: it's like so unfair you know he's about to defeat grievous and then one of them just like stabs him, literally stabs him in the back
0: yeah it's crazy like Eve koth is a powerful jedi if he's able to like you know fight off grievous essentially and basically be winning until he gets betrayed essentially it's impressive i mean he is on the jedi council so
1: Mm. i have to say though the call that grievous makes to the jedi is just so overdone like such a comical villain thing to do
0: yeah i think he like wanted to lure them out right so that he could defeat them in like space for some reason but then like he should prepare better if he knows they're coming
1: there's another instance of really really bad writing here when uh, uh in when the jedi debate what to do and obi-wan says i will go anakin says so will i and then the third jedi says and i and i was like oh please <laughs> It also, again, it also reminded me of Lord of the Rings, the Council of Elrond, with, like, you have my sword, you have my bow, you have my axe. Yeah. But just, that is good writing. Yeah. But here, that's that was so bad. And also, speaking of bad, the voice actor for that Jedi didn't kind of emote at all. It was, very, it was a very stale performance, I thought.
0: I wish, like, it was more color to that character it's just not interesting as a character to be honest i mean this is why we don't we don't even know her name one little thing one little note about grievous is that i really hate slash love when he's crawling like and he's like running away and he's crawling i think it's like really creepy in like a very like effective way um and kind of menacing it's it's kind of impressive to be honest Mm. um in terms of the way that he is like portrayed to be evil or are portrayed to be mm. creepy and it actually succeeds. Yeah, generally I'd say this is a stronger episode. Um it's not at the top tier, but it's definitely like middle top, if that makes
1: no, sense. No, but you what you know what is top tier? The next episode.
0: <laughs> good work. Good work. Good work.
1: <laughs> Thanks. And I have a question right off the bat. First yes. scene. Why is Grievous wearing a cape?
0: I don't know. He wasn't wearing a cape earlier, right? No. Yeah, and he's a droid, <laughs> so
1: it's not because he's cold or anything, it's just yeah. because he lo- it looks cool. Or he thinks it does.
0: I don't get it, to be honest. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was just like, of course you're wearing a cape. You're a bad guy.
0: Yeah, it's either superheroes or evil villains. They wear ba- capes. No one in between.
1: Yeah, but if if I've learned one thing from the movie The Incredibles is no capes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I again, I thought I thought it was pretty funny. It was so foreboding when Obi Wan and Cody. We're lauding Rex, and I thought, "Oh, something's going to happen to Rex." And sure enough, he gets sniped.
0: It's, it's. I love these episodes where our heroes or our main central characters get hurt or get put in a position where they're off screen and have to deal with the circumstances or different extenuating circumstances. I just want to say before we get into anything else, Sulukumai is a beautiful planet yeah it's so gorgeous just the animation with the fireflies and then under the starry night sky and just the different vegetation and animals it's just so well done it's i think it's one of the most beautiful planets um we've visited and i would really i'd really like to see more of it and i don't blame um gut for staying there
1: disclaimer i have a big problem with child actors and that includes child voice actors and <laughs> children on screen. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge huge fan of the kids in this episode. So I'm just going to talk shit about them later on just so everyone's prepared. That's fine. Because fuck are they stupid. I mean they're yeah. children, right? So of course yeah. they're stupid, but Yeah. Um but just so obviously like this line of you look like my father is like okay. Yeah. Okay. And like yeah. if you know the title of this episode, it's like, okay, I know what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if like uh an adult character said the same thing, but like you look like my brother or something like that, you would have been perfectly fine with it. It's just like the fact that it's children. Yeah, Delivery, I think so. Just it's just worse.
1: my hatred of children, that's what it is. <laughs> fucking hateful.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> that's a good soundclub right there. <laughs> no, children are okay in small doses
0: okay so despite your hatred of children um what do you think about this sequence on the farm
1: i really like the notion of a clone deserter yeah it's so interesting when he talks about his traumatic war experience that basically overrode his programming which is like i guess ptsd is the part is the path to freedom is what he's saying uh to free choice in this Um, case yeah I'm going to skip ahead a little bit but right at the end Rex decides not to turn in, turn him in which I must I must assume goes against his programming so what is how is that for a conundrum
0: Okay so you're right in the sense that it is not um subtle but I think that a lot of things with these shows this show is that it is not subtle at face value, but has larger societal questions that we should think about. And it points us to those larger questions. So for example, like when he's questioning, is that what you're programmed to believe versus what you actually believe? It really makes me think of our actual everyday lives. Everything that we believe is to be true or right or wrong or things that we think are good. Mm -hmm. Is that really something that we choose? Or is that something we are by our society positioned to immediately or inherently think about or you know believe yeah. inn- innately so it's a really interesting question about a larger societal one and i think the whole point is that you know he does have his belief and i think that the programming is a lot looser by definition in the clone wars or by depiction sorry in the clone wars than it is in the ser- in the movies and i think that's intentional and i think that is actually one of the best things that this show does by giving these clones agency and i think one of the things at that moment where he decides not to you know turn in the deserter is a moment that is clarifying to us that these clones have their own agency innately and So I think that there's a lot of inherent value and larger questions that need to be gleaned out from this dialogue and these questions about being part of a larger whole or being an individual.
1: Oh, I definitely agree. It's just, you know, that scene at the end is so important, but it is kind of, it doesn't get the attention it deserves. It's just, it just happens so quickly that you it doesn't seem to have that much of a significance you know
0: yeah i think it's 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 glossed over for sure and in, in a lot of the cases in this show the conclusions are sort of swept under the rug and moved on really quickly um and i think it's just I, I, and it's it's a consequence of uh, this medium but also a lot of visual medium where it's much more interesting to ask the questions as opposed to answer them and this is another example of that in TV show where they do ask really good questions, but they really kind of half ask the answer and don't really give us a conclusion. And that's something that they will explore really going until the end of the show, right? Um, because we know, you know, that, you know, we know what's to come, right? With the clones in general. Um, yeah, sure. And it's really interesting to see how they get there, right? Or like, let's see, you know, How this all is juxtaposed in these clones that we've now established have a large semblance of free will within their belief system that they are, quote unquote, programmed to believe. Because I would like to say that, you know, I think the programming that Cut is mentioning is not necessarily a digital programming, but a brainwashing type societal programming. Mm. And I I think that that's more what he means by, is that what you're programmed to believe? Not necessarily that he doesn't have the choice to believe what he wants to believe.
1: Then again, I mean, I know we shouldn't confuse this pretty good show with the stupid prequels, but if if you follow that logic, how do you explain like Cody just shooting down Obi-Wan in Order 66? Because that is like literal programming. I feel like we'll get there. Ah, okay, interesting, interesting. <laughs> um, so I guess yeah, this is this this episode is like que- as, uh, asking the question: Do we live in a simulation? So, what do you think? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, seriously. The, what do you think? I mean, do you think that
0: about that we live in a simulation? Yeah. No, I don't. But yeah. the the possibilities are, of course, out there. But no, not yeah. really
1: um i feel like it doesn't matter because if we do like if we don't then we don't and if we do then uh we there's nothing we can do about it
0: exactly no i I think the idea even of a simulation is far-fetched and not really it just uh, a factor of like people going a little too crazy with sci-fi ideas sometimes um i don't think philosophically um it makes sense but I don't know i'm just not a conspiracy theorist in any way shape or form Mm. so i just i don't believe people are smart enough to have (laughs) widespread conspiracies like that so eh. it's just about humanizing the clones really that this episode is on top of talking about free will and our own nature of belief and our role within a larger society versus as individuals and layers of responsibility between the galaxy, an army, or an individual family, or even yourself, it has a lot of larger questions that I think are extremely important and interesting to venture into in the larger scheme of things.
1: So in terms of plot, though, of course, we have Grievous looking for his escape pod to send a signal so that his friends can pick him up, basically. Uh, And we have the Jedi and the clones racing to get him uh meanwhile we have obvi- what's obviously like the main plot here on the farm rex gets patched up and left there for the night and um then he uh finds out that there is a there's a renegade or, the, or, or i guess there's a clone deserter and they have this really interesting exchange but then there is there is a uh whole battalion of of commander droids that is um that is awakened is activated by the kids the stupid fucking kids uh playing around and then we have a shootout at the farm with like i don't know 20 or so commander droids against basically one clone and then later another one which i just found very unrealistic
0: i I found that unrealistic, yes, but also the way that they do die, and they are also visibly damaged right the the mm-hmm. clones, the droids, so I think that there is some sense of realism there in terms of like they are he's obviously in his own home, um he no at no point do I find the way that he kills them unrealistically crazy, he just kind of shoots them through windows or he in the moment that they do actually penetrate the home through the underneath through the basement like he is quickly overwhelmed so i i don't find it you know yes it's a little bit unrealistic for sure but i, I think that it's be, there are subtle hints leading up to the conflict and within the conflict itself that lead me to believe that okay this is not that crazy
1: yeah i guess so it's just you know they in the previous episodes they seem very strong and here it it's like basically one one of them is able to stop like fifteen. Of course, Rex then comes to the rescue and uh, shoots the other ones, the remaining ones, uh, which in which I thought was like a pretty okay fight scene. And yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything about that episode?
0: Not really. I think the the biggest things are the questions that it's asking, and that's the things that I interest that are interesting to me. And this is why we watched it. Right? Yep. Um, the plot is somewhat inconsequential this this episode really speaking of another inconsequential episode oh um, <laughs> or is it or is it right so we have episode 11 um in which ahsoka's lightsaber gets pickpocketed and stolen and it's her essentially her journey to get it back um she teams up with uh master terrace and and who is of course like a turtle of course um and essentially learns the lessons of patience and taking and having a calm mind as they journey together to um find ahsoka's lightsaber and surprise surprise in the end uh, master sunube teaches her the lesson and she gets her lightsaber back
1: and what is that lesson rashad
0: that you should be patient yes so that he you says can it see over
1: the, and over that again patience so yeah. annoying I don't know. As a plot point, I thought it was pretty funny that Ahsoka got her lightsaber stolen. That is something that I could see happening.
0: Oh, 100 percent It's also like it made me think they all just wear it on their waists like that. Like
1: also, if she was more capable with the force, she could just she could have just uh taken it. And um speaking of annoying nicknames and stuff like that, uh Ahsoka calls Sinube Gramps at one point, and I thought that's how dare she like this guy is a jedi master sure he's like super old maybe not super quick but how dare you
0: yeah i I don't really have much to say to be honest about this episode i think it's just like it didn't really have to be in here but watching ahsoka in any capacity is important to me so (laughs) especially such an ahsoka centered episode
1: yeah there were like a few things that i thought okay that's a little unrealistic like the two thugs that they interrogate they're like they just cave right away and help them um but i had this moment when ahsoka just jumps out of the window after they find out that this one guy is dead he's like yeah she's anakin's padawan that's because that's yeah. exactly what he would do um yeah. i kind of like the you know that there's actually two two people involved in killing the guy and sunuba just um yeah, she's through it, though I have to say, I also saw through that pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I think it's just like, I think your point about Ahsoka's similarity to Anakin is really apt. And even when he's not around, she just acts like him 100% of the time. And really, uh, to the dismay of Master Sanube.
1: Yeah, I liked, I don't know, there was a lot of acrobatic stuff here that I thought was well used to keep the pace going and in the end when they're at the, basically at the train station i really enjoyed that as well um again not ter- terribly consequential but uh yeah it was a nice like episode in between
0: yeah i think it's like it's really interesting between the larger battles and the like big big spectacles it's nice to see the small little stuff that happen along the way the one thing that i will note as a last note i don't know if i like this or not the fact i actually don't i know i don't like this as Sunube at the end tells ahsoka to pass on what you have learned and i was just like no that's yoda's line you're not allowed to have <laughs> that you cannot parrot that again how yeah. dare you so yeah i was not a fan of that
1: I felt very forced that at the end you know she goes into the class and yoda is like oh a, a lesson you have to teach us and what is this lesson? Blah blah, blah. patient. And this is like really important. This is your lightsaber. And you should really take care of it. It's like, yeah, 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 for sure. But she can just get into go into class and just like tell them about how important your lightsaber is. That doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, it's weird. I think also it's just like this is in the end the t- kids' show. And this is like very much the biggest evidence that we've seen that this is a kids' TV show. Right. Every once in a while, you have to have like a very, very kids focused episode.
1: Yeah, but I was I was just wondering, like, how many times does Yoda get interrupted in teaching the younglings? Because it happens in uh, episode two as well of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like, it seems to happen all the time, and always with Yoda, people just seem to barge into his class all the time.
0: <laughs> they don't give a
1: fuck. Nah. So yeah, that's been the first 11 episodes. I am really curious to see where it goes. Can you elaborate maybe a little bit on which episodes we're skipping?
0: For the second half of season two, we are only going to be skipping episode 18 and 19. We'll watch episode 12 through 17 and then 22 through 22. So join us next time.
1: If you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can do that. Email. Write us an email to hello at serialhook.com website you can check out our website and suggest future topics at serially hooked.com twitter you can find us on twitter at serially hooked if you like the show tell a friend or 10 rate us on apple podcasts it really makes a difference and helps people discover the show
0: did you but say geonosis fuck
1: most of our. damn it yeah, but yeah, definitely this this uh, episode is very much about free will. And um, yeah, I really, I really, I really liked it. Um,
0: I, also, it's about humanizing droids. Not droids. Wow. Humanizing
1: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Freudian slip. I've ever heard one.
0: Yeah, right. Um, but it, it's generally about humanizing the droids, right? <laughs> oh my God, I said it again.
1: <laughs> the word you're looking for is clones. Thank you.